perhaps some people are still coming in, I don't know. But uh, I want to welcome you to the 47th annual Oak Bible Reading Chapel service. I have not been here for all of them. <laughs> the songwriter said, We are gathered in the presence of the Lord where we know that we will never be the same. There's an awesome, gentle stirring of his spirit as we magnify and praise his holy name. This is God's appointed hour when his resurrection power and his grace to one and all will be outpoured. We have gathered in the presence, the mighty living presence of the Lord. So I, we're drawn together to his presence through the reading of God's word tonight. We're not going to sing, and I know that disappoints some of you. We're just going to read. So that's what it's about tonight. This is an annual event. You can read about that in your printed program. The most important thing that can happen for us in this evening service is to have an encounter with the Word of God. And we're here tonight to celebrate that, celebrate God's Word. Our prayer for this chapel service is that the reading and the hearing of the Word will minister to everyone present in some special way. Let me give you a quick word of instruction for those of you who have not been to an Oak Reading Chapel before. There's a couple things to pay attention to. We have several readings. If you didn't get a program, there might be some still out there. Uh, they're different translations. So, and I know you can get to those quickly on your phone. But my suggestion is that you just turn off your phones, uh, turn off your electronic Bibles, digital Bibles, turn, close your, the one you brought with you, and just listen. Let the word minister to you as you listen. And the other thing that I need to bring to your attention is that because of the nature of this chapel service, I don't think it would be appropriate for us to applaud after each reading. I'll give you an opportunity to show your appreciation at the end. So if we can just let one reading flow into the next, that will be good. Why don't you join me in a spirit of prayer? Thank you, Lord, for your inspired word, wonderful words of life given to us that we might know you better and serve you more faithfully. I pray that you will honor the preparation that has been invested in this chapel tonight and that your word would be a lamp to our feet and a light to our path may the power of the spoken word flow through the lips of every reader in this chapel hour so that we will have the unmistakable knowledge that we've been in the presence of god in your name we pray amen one of the things that I think is special about tonight is that you get to hear the word of God out of your mouth. So I would like for you to stand together. We have a responsive reading on the right-hand side of your program, and Dr. King is going to come lead that responsive reading. Inside your program on the left-hand is the responsive reading entitled God's Word. Please read in unison the bold parts following the normal print that I will read. All scripture is God-breathed 
and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness. Do your best to present yourself to God as one approved, a workman who does not need to be ashamed and who correctly handles the word of truth. Sharper than any double-edged sword, it penetrates even to dividing soul and spirit, joints and marrow. Oh, how I love your law. I meditate on it all day long. I gain understanding from your precepts. Therefore, I hate every wrong path. The unfolding of your words gives light. may be seated. We are surrounded by witnesses. Surrounded by witnesses. Daniel, who prayed with his windows flung open. Peter and John, who said, we must obey God rather than men. Moses, who refused to be known as the son of Pharaoh's daughter. Abraham, who did not know where he was going. But he obeyed and went. He was looking for the city which has foundations. Whose architect and builder is God. Esther, who would not live in comfort while her people were murdered but said, I will go to the king, though it is against the law. And if I perish, I perish. We don't have time to tell about Gideon, Barak, Samson, Jephthah, David, Samuel, and the prophets, John the Baptist, John the Apostle, Peter and Paul, Augustine, Martin Luther, Hudson Taylor, Jim Elliot, believers persecuted by Islamic extremists, and the suffering saints today in Iraq, Syria, and Nigeria. Through faith, they conquered kingdoms, administered justice, and gained what was promised. They shut the mouths of lions, quenched the fury of the flames, and escaped the edge of the sword. Whose weakness was turned to strength, who became powerful in battle, and routed foreign armies. Women received back their dead, raised to life again. Others were tortured, and refused to be released so that they might gain a better resurrection. Some faced jeers and floggings. Others were chained and put in prison. They were stoned. stoned. They were sawed in two. two. They were put, put to death by the sword. They went about in sheepskins and goatskins. Destitute, persecuted, and mistreated. The world was not worthy of them. These were all commended for their faith. They ran the race with patience. We are surrounded by a great cloud of witnesses. Therefore, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily besets us. And let us run with patience the race marked out before us. Let us fix our eyes on Jesus, 
the author and perfecter of our faith. Who, for the joy set before him, endured the cross, scorning its shame, sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured such opposition from sinful men, so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. We, as Christians, who have accepted God's offer of salvation, have a new righteous identity in Christ through the gift of the Holy Spirit. And this new righteous identity has an immediate fulfillment right now, but it is, it is awaiting an assured f fulfillment at the return of Christ, despite all the evils that assail us in the meantime. There is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. For the law of the spirit of life has set you free in Christ Jesus from the law of sin and death. For those who live according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh, but those who live according to the spirit set their minds on the things of the spirit. For to set the mind on the flesh is death, but to set the mind on the spirit is life and peace. So then, brothers, we are debtors not to the flesh, to live according to the flesh, for if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. For all who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. For you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you have received the spirit of adoption as sons, by whom we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are sons of God. And if sons, then heirs, heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ, provided we suffer with him in order that we may also be glorified with him. For I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing with the glory that is to be revealed to us. The creation itself will be set free from its bondage to corruption and obtain the freedom of the glory of the children of God. For we know that the whole creation has been groaning together in the pains of childbirth until now. And not only the creation, but we ourselves, who have the first fruits of the Spirit, groan inwardly as we wait eagerly for adoption as sons, the redemption of our bodies. For in this hope we were saved. Now, hope that is seen is not hope. For who hopes for what he sees? But if we hope for what we do not see, we wait for it with patience. Likewise, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. For we do not know what to pray for as we ought, but the Spirit himself intercedes with us with groanings too deep for words. And he who searches hearts knows what is the mind of the Spirit, because the Spirit intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. And we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good for those who are called according to his purpose. What then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? He, do, he who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also with him graciously give us all things? Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation, or distress, or persecution, or famine, or nakedness, or danger, or sword? No. In all these things, 
We are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am sure that neither death nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. Psalm, uh, Psalm 51, 1 through 17, and it, I'll have it ending from Psalm 32, 1 through 2. Um, psalm 51 is the psalm that David wrote after he had killed Uriah and um, committed adultery with Bathsheba. And um, this is one of my favorite psalms. I've prayed it many times in my prayer closet, and I think it's a psalm that we can all relate to at some point in our lives, one time or another. Have mercy on me, O God, according to your unfailing love, according to your great compassion. Blot out my transgressions. Wash away all my iniquity and cleanse me from my sin. For I know my transgressions and my sin is always before me. Against you and you only have I sinned and done what is evil in your sight. So that you're approved right when you speak and justified when you judge. Surely I have been a sinner from birth, sinful from the time my mother conceived me. Surely you desire truth in the inner parts. You teach me wisdom in the inmost place. Cleanse me with hyssop and I will be clean. Wash me and I will be whiter than snow. Let me hear joy and gladness. Let the bones you have crushed rejoice. Hide your face from my sins and blot out all my iniquity. Create in me a pure heart, O God, and renew a steadfast spirit within me. Do not cast me from your presence or take your Holy Spirit from me. Restore unto me the joy of my salvation. And grant me a willing spirit to sustain me. Then I will teach transgressors your ways. And sinners will turn back to you. Save me from blood guilt, O God, the God who saves me. And my tongue will sing of your righteousness. O Lord, open my lips. And my mouth will declare your praise. You do not delight in sacrifice, or I would bring it. You do not take pleasure in burnt offerings. The sacrifices of God are a broken spirit, a broken and contrite heart, O oh God, you will not despise. Blessed is the one whose transgressions are forgiven, whose sins are covered. Blessed is the one whose sin, the Lord, does not count against them, and in whose spirit is no deceit. this passage, we are reminded of our own rebellion towards God. 
here, we learn God's response to that and his true desire. That we choose to repent and receive unconditional forgiveness. Hear, O heavens, listen, O earth, for the Lord has spoken. I reared children and brought them up, but they have rebelled against me. The ox knows its master, the donkey its own owner's manger, but Israel does not know. My people do not understand. Woe to the sinful nation, a people whose guilt is great, a brood of evildoers, children given to corruption. They have forsaken the Lord. They have spurned the Holy One of Israel and turned their backs on him. Why should you be beaten anymore? Why do you persist in rebellion? Your whole head is injured. Your whole heart is afflicted. From the sole of your foot to the top of your head, there is no soundness. Only wounds and welts and endless misery. Not cleansed or bandaged or smoothed or ironed. Your country is desolate. Your cities burned with fire. Your fields are being stripped by foreigners right before you, laid waste as when overthrown by strangers. The daughter of Zion is left like a shelter in a vineyard, like a hut in a field of melons, like a city under siege. Unless the Lord Almighty had left us some survivors, we would have become like Sodom. We would have been like Gomorrah. Hear the word of the Lord, you rulers of Sodom. Listen to the law of our God, you people of Gomorrah. The multitude of your sacrifices, what are they to me, says the Lord. <clears throat> I have more than enough of burnt offerings, of rams and the fat of fattened animals. I have no pleasure in the blood of bulls and rams and goats. When you come to appear before me, who asked this of you? this trampling of my courts. Stop bringing meaningless offerings. Your incense is detestable to me. New moons, Sabbaths, and convocations, I cannot bear your evil assemblies. Your new moon feasts and your appointed festivals, I hate with all my being. They have become a burden to me. I am weary. When you spread out your hands in prayer, I will hide my eyes from you. Even when you offer many prayers, I will not listen. Your hands are full of blood. Wash and make yourselves clean. Take your evil deeds out of my sight. Stop doing wrong. Learn to do right. Seek justice. Defend the oppressed. Take up the cause of the fatherless. Plead the case of the widow. Come now. Let us reason together, says the Lord. Though your sins are like scarlet, they shall be as white as snow. Though they are red as crimson, they shall be like wool. 
who are willing and obedient, you will eat the best of the land. But if you resist and rebel, you will be devoured by the sword. For the mouth of the Lord has spoken. Our attention is primarily focused on a woman whose many sins have been forgiven. Living in the joy of sins forgiven, she comes to Jesus to express her overflowing gratitude and love. Place yourself inside the scene. Participate in the love that is shown. Allow the lessons Simon the Pharisee learns to speak to your heart. Now one of the Pharisees invited Jesus to have dinner with him, so he went to the Pharisee's house and reclined at the table. When a woman who had lived a sinful life in that town learned that Jesus was eating at the Pharisee's house, she brought an alabaster jar of perfume. And as she stood behind him at his feet, weeping, she began to wet his feet with her tears. Then she wiped them with her hair, kissed them, and poured perfume on them. When the Pharisee who had invited him saw this, he said to himself, If this man were a prophet... He would know who is touching him and what kind of woman she is. But she is a sinner. Jesus answered him, Simon, I have something to say to you. Tell me, teacher, he said. Two men owed money to a certain moneylender. One owed him 500 denarii, and the other... Neither of them had the money to pay him back. So he canceled the debts of both. Now which of them will love him more? Simon replied, I suppose the one who had the bigger debt canceled. You have judged correctly, Jesus said. Then he turned toward the woman and said to Simon, do you see this woman? I came into your house. You did not give me any water for my feet. But she wet my feet with her tears and wiped them with her hair. You did not give me a kiss. But this woman from the time I entered has not ceased kissing my feet. You did not put oil on my head but she has poured perfume on my feet. And so I tell you, her great love proves that her many sins have been forgiven. Where little has been forgiven, little love is shown. Then Jesus said to her, Your sins are forgiven. The other guests began to say among themselves, Who is this 
who even forgive sins. Jesus said to the woman, Your faith has saved you. Go in peace. His name is Bartimaeus. He is a blind beggar. His little space beside the road is home. Trodden dirt is his bed. A stone, his pillow. He sits there day in and day out, a crumpled up man on the side of the road. Feeling around in the dark, Bartimaeus accosts a passerby with his searching hands. Alms, alms for the poor pity on a blind man and th thus he gropes for his daily bread a mumbled blessing a coin in the cup from a reluctant benefactor a sharp point of theology thrust at him from one of the more religious a brusque shove to the side of the road this is what life is like for Bartimaeus living on the roadside he takes what comes his way a coin in a cup, a slap on the hand, a blessing, a curse. This day, what comes his way is a babble of voices. As Jesus and his disciples, together with a large crowd, were leaving the city of Jericho, a blind man, Bartimaeus, that is, the son of Timaeus, was sitting by the roadside begging. When he heard the crowd going by, he asked what was happening, and they told him, Jesus of Nazareth is passing by. He knows that name. He's heard of this man, Jesus. Many say that he is the future king and heir to David's throne. They say he's the servant Isaiah prophesied about, a light to the Gentiles to open eyes that are blind and release from the dungeon those who sit in darkness. Oh, the dungeon Bartimaeus has been in for so long locked away and forgotten oh the darkness the loneliness the rub of the shackles there on the roadside he sits solitary in his thoughts like a rock around which the stream of people flows I must find him he thinks I must talk to this Jesus when he heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth, he began to shout, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. The crowd raps a few brittle words against him to keep him in his place. But Bartimaeus only redoubles his efforts. The veins protrude on his neck as he shouts, Son of David, have mercy on me. Jesus stopped. He ordered the man to be brought to him. Call him. So they called to the blind man, Cheer up. On your feet. He's calling you. Throwing his cloak aside, he jumped to his feet and came to Jesus. Condescending whispers hush as the blind man approaches. He stands now before the heir, not only to David's throne, but to the throne of heaven. And 
for a moment in time, this blind beggar has the undivided attention of deity. When he came near, Jesus asked him, what do you want me to do for you? Could you believe your ears? Incredible. A blind man standing before the magistrate of heaven, the one who gives light to the sun, the moon, and the stars, and the response is not one of an exalted king, but of a lowly servant. What do you want me to do for you? Without hesitation, Bartimaeus answers, Lord, I want to see. Out of the dungeon, out of the darkness, he wants out of the shackles of those blind eyes. He wants out of the prison. He wants to be free. I want to see. He wants to use his hands for something besides feeling his way in the dark. He wants to make things. He wants to fix his own meals. He wants to read. I want to see. He wants to look into the eyes of a friend. He wants to wave at someone across the way. He wants to smile at children and pat their heads and wish them well. He wants to love. He wants to laugh. He wants to live. I want to see. In an instant, Jesus knows everything those four short words mean to this man. And the king shows him favor. Receive your sight. Your faith has healed you. Immediately, he received his sight and followed Jesus along the road. In the twinkling of an eye, Bartimaeus passes out of darkness and into light. Sunshine floods his eyes. He sees the azure sky, the armada of clouds in full sail, the pair of turtle doves winging their way just above the rooftops. He sees the buildings, the amazed faces of the crowd. And then he turns and sees Jesus. He sees the tenderness. He sees the love. He sees the eyes of a king. His faith has healed him. Faith enough to make a fool of himself by shouting and stopping the crowd. Faith enough to come to Jesus. Faith enough to ask what no one but God could grant. Quite a lot to see for a blind man. And without looking back, this new citizen of the kingdom joins that royal entourage down the Jericho Road to follow a king in whose eyes he has found favor and to leave forever behind his beggar's space along that roadside. Dear Son of David, I pray you would give me a heart for those on the roadside, for those who whatever reason, are not in the mainstream of life for those who lie crippled and cast aside, for those who are forgotten and ignored, for those are in some ways blinded to the fullness of life. Help me not to turn a deaf ear when they call out. Help me to stop, regardless of what the crowd may say. Help me to give them my undivided attention. 
Help me to give myself to them as you did, to show mercy, to do what I can. Father, though I may not be able to loose them from their chains or free them from their separate prisons, help me to visit faithfully so they may know that someone cares. Help me to bring a meal so they may be nourished. Help me to say a kind word so that they may be encouraged. Help me to give a gentle touch so they may be comforted. Help me to provide a blanket so they may be made warm. Help me to provide a pillow so that they may have a soft place to lay their heads. Help me to lend a listening ear so their stories may be heard. Help, Help me, me whenever, whenever wherever, wherever, and however I can to bring light to someone who sits in darkness. And though I may not be able to bring sight to their eyes, enable me to chase away a few shadows so their lives might be a little brighter. Before we dismiss tonight, I would like to honor these readers from the class and give to them a cert certificate of recognition. I think that uh, God has spoken to them as they've prepared not only for tonight, but as they've gone through this course, and I think it's worth recognizing. So, uh, blind Bartimaeus, oh, I mean Bartimaeus, not blind any longer, uh, you're gonna need to come down here, and I have these certificates with me, and um, they read like this, 47th Annual Oak Bible Reading Award Program, Certificate of Recognition presented to and their name on this 27th day of January 2016 in recognition of achievement in public reading of scripture. So I'm going to do these in alphabetical order. Tim Abenroth, would you come? And we're going to do Kodak moments. Okay. And Trevor Foley. <laughs> it's a Kodak moment. Look at the camera. And Devin McKee. Devin, bless you. Bless you. All right. Uh, would you please stand as our campus pastor, Reverend Bruce Cadle, comes to voice our closing prayer. Our Father in heaven, it is to you who gave us the living word we pray tonight. You have taught us that your word is flawless, that it is a lamp to our feet and an illuminating light to our path. It is your word that changes lives from sin to righteousness and shows us the way to everlasting life. Your holy word is our sword of the spirit by which we overcome the traps and forces and devices of the evil one in the victory of your son. And it is, it is the same word that dwells richly within all whose hearts are inhabited by he who is the living word, our Lord Jesus. 
It is a precious word that shall never pass away and on which every human life can be based both now and forever. And as we close our service tonight, our prayer is that you would fix your word in our hearts to lead us in the way everlasting. Through Jesus Christ we pray. Amen. You are dismissed.